0: Welcome to The Jay Martin Show. Now, my guest today is the legendary activist and former congressman, former leader of the Libertarian Party and candidate for the Republican Party of the United States of America, Dr. Ron Paul. Now, there was no shortage of topics that I wanted to discuss with Dr. Paul today. Of course, I wanted to get his thoughts on how powerful really is any American president when it comes to changing the course of American history. I got his thoughts on the deep state, what is the deep state, and how does it actually impact the lives of people like you and I. I asked him about the decade of the 2020s and whether or not we will look back on this period as that crossing the Rubicon moment that changed the course of history forever. I got his thoughts on the Ukrainian crisis and how he thinks that could end, and most importantly, when thinking about the volatility and chaos that is likely to continue for the remainder of this decade, regular people like you and I can weather that storm best now I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation I hope that you do too I publish a weekly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on these interviews and any action items that I might be taking as a consequence I publish every Sunday it's free and I absolutely love writing it I'd love to have you join the team if you're watching the YouTube video there's a link in the YouTube description if you're listening to the podcast there's a link in the podcast description where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter Here is Dr. Ron Paul. Enjoy. All right, welcome to The Jay Martin Show, and it is an honor to be joined right now by Dr. Ron Paul. Ron, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Jay, it's nice to be with you.
0: I'm looking forward to this. And there's a handful of directions I want to go today. Here's a place that I think we should start. President Biden recently was asked about the uh, recession forecast. And his response was, recession is very unlikely. And if so, it would be slight. Now, if you were sitting across the table from the presidents and he said this to you, Dr. Paul, how would you respond?
1: I would... uh... Try to clarify what he's talking about on recession because uh it it by even the conventional st- wisdom it's a re- it's a recession that he's in denial and of course that's a political statement but i'd also point out that there's a lot of people who are in recession and there's a lot of people who are in recession and they're being ignored and uh, sometimes it is in a monolith and everybody's uh, punished the same way in the correction and uh, sometimes it's the middle class and the poor that suffer the most. And then when the government comes in and starts to try to correct it, they usually injure those individuals. The innocent people are injured more, So maybe he hasn't talked to enough people who are average people trying to uh, make a living and survive uh, the destruction of the dollar and the price increases and, and the distortions that we're dealing with. So I, w- I would start with a, a bit of information about what, uh, what's really going on. And that uh, he does not have the privilege of just changing the definition, whether it's we're in a recession or not, or what inflation is all about, because he says uh, that uh, we we don't have any real inflation. Uh, mm. But th- that, of course, is not true.
0: So then commenting on the lives of like everyday Americans and Canadians, uh, people like myself, I suppose when we think about the decade thus far, right, the 2020s thus far, I think for the first, you know, from spring of of 2020, in the next 18 months, a lot of people were waiting for life to return to quote unquote normal. And as we've migrated uh, further into this decade, we seem to have migrated further and further to what normal was over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Do you expect this trajectory to continue? Have we crossed a Rubicon? Will the 2020s be that moment that where a lot of the the basic functions in our life have changed forever?
1: Yes, and I I think it's uh, in the cards for us. It's not like, okay, do you think they'll continue the same policy if if the administration changes here in the fall uh, and there's a new president in two years and this sort of thing. Uh, What we have to realize is that if you have uh, bad policy, let's say like the monetary policy of quantitative easing, uh, you can look forward and say you're going to have to pay for that. And so, And when we look at it now, we are paying the price. You know, the prices, you know, there's price inflation, consumer price inflation and maldistribution of wealth and all these things going on. So uh, they can't change that. That's already in place. And uh, if you, if you want to help, if you're a president or if you have any ability to control anything, you want to help by diminishing the pain and the suffering, so you have to change the policy, but that usually hurts more than uh, the consumers and the voters likes So they don't don't like this. So, uh, but they, I don't think you can solve the problem if somebody said, well, all we need to do is change uh, the head of, uh, you know, uh, the uh, leadership in the House and the Senate and a new president, mm. which could be a tremendous help because I do agree that things got a lot worse in the last couple of years because of bad policy trying to correct something and not even recognize where the real problem is. And the real problem has been from the source of uh, making the government much bigger than it should be, both domestically and internationally. And we have a system where they don't think deficits matter. uh, And they have a monetary system that says, well, if you need anything, you just print it and everything will be all right. So that to me is understanding how we got here, what it's called and why it's very bipartisan that uh, you're not going to be able to give it the medicine it needs. And sometimes uh, if a person is very, very sick and having a difficulty with a difficult cancer, they have to understand, you know, it's not gonna be an easy deal. You have to go through this surgery. Uh, Nobody's for that. So that's why my prediction is that the mess is going to continue And there may be some blips up and down uh, for short periods of time, but I don't see any structural change in the understanding of economic policy, except outside the universities. And if we go to the more libertarian free market groups, there is a place where you can get the information on what the answers are. But uh, that just means you recognize it, but you also have to recognize it's a struggle to get to the point to reverse policy.
0: Now, you hit on something there I want to I want to pull on how effective and how impactful would a change of leadership be in terms of changing the macro trajectory? Like we're on this path, right, as a nation. Can one individual, one leader really alter that path much or just the little nuances? I mean, I, I assume like when I think about when Bush took presidency, he didn't think that 9-11 would define his presidency, but it did. Right. When Obama took the presidency he seemed to think he could repair relationships with the Islamic world, right? When Trump took presidency, he thought he could rebuild American manufacturing. When they actually get in the seat, how effective can they truly be? And within the limits of their power, if the economy and the country are already on the path and it's, it's like a freight train, you can't really slow it down in four or eight years.
1: Well, I think if you get somebody in that can't possibly do everything that we have to do, you can't wave a wand, and have a commodity standard of money. That's, that's not gonna happen. But you could have somebody come in and have policy changes that will improve a lot because we could say the current president came in and his policies were worse, uh, made things worse uh, because they weren't good policies and, and he was just con- compounding the errors that we were working with. So it, uh, it can be helpful to have a leader come in and do these things but it's still back to an overall overriding principle of uh, uh, what, what, what do people believe? When I was in Congress, uh, I didn't meet very many people who even had the vaguest understanding of what Austrian economics meant or, or why we should have a commodity standard of money. Right. Uh, but, but they understood political power and why you had to do ABC and subsidize and support special interest groups so you could become a chairman and be a participant in passing out of the loot. Uh, but you could improve it, but it won't be the final answer. And I like to work on, on both. I mean, I'd like it on a short run to be helpful. You know, uh, try to cut spending. They, but the group there now will not. But you might be able to cut. And uh, my argument, of course, during the early part of this century was get our troops home, you know? Mm. And that may become more popular that we'll, uh, you know, find out, well, we just are running out of money. We'll start moving in that direction. But right now, uh, it's a major, major problem to change foreign policy and monetary policy and fiscal policy because we're locked in and, sh- and strongly supported by Republicans and Democrats.
0: So let's stick with policy for a minute there. Can you Can you help me understand something? What is the purpose of the Inflation Reduction Act as you see it?
1: (laughs) You you know, that's a good guess because uh, there was nothing there that uh, I could see that was going to uh, reduce uh, inflation because they talked about spending more money and different things, helping people who were suffering. And there were a lot of other details in there, but uh, it was not not going to uh, reduce inflation. The only thing that long-term, that in, uh, reduces inflation is uh, get, get hold of the money supply increases. And uh, take, for instance, when we were having trouble in 08, the big, big recession that was going on, uh, people and the business people and everybody welcomed uh, you know, QE. Oh, you know, there's more credit now. Take, take the interest rates down. Take them down to zero, even though it made no sense. Uh, so that's the type of thing they're talking about. So if it's if it's just political mischief, uh, more harm will come from it. But it will be politically acceptable much more so than uh, if I were in and I had the authority and I say, well, look, uh, it's going to be hard picking and choosing special groups. Who's going to get punished the most? and Who's going to get cut? Just say, look, we're going to cut everybody by two percent this year. And next year, we'll cover everybody by two percent. You could work it out. It would amazingly you not know, take a tremendous amount of time, but people would get hysterical about it because you'd never be able to catch up because prices are going up 8% mm. and you're going to cut spending. So it is really tough uh, to, to do that. And, uh, but, but, but you can prevent, or at least you should prevent, you shouldn't add, don't think that raising taxes on the rich or something like that will solve our problem or are getting involved in foreign policy, where you literally get involved in, uh, you know, Ukraine and pipelines and interference over the world and playing games with uh, uh, manipulating energy prices. Every time we do that, we make things worse. And uh, I think if you have to back away from spending deficits and inf- monetary inflation, less regulations, and you might get a blip, but it still is not going to be answered. I think I think because of the political system, it's going to get a lot worse. And uh, the, the big question was, will the country wise up and say enough is enough? Because in a way, we saw that happen with COVID. As bad as that was, and they terrorized the people, and the people said the government said this, the government did, we had to do it. They finally found out there was a fraud. And now they, and now, uh, they have a, a lot of, uh, of booster shots available, millions and millions of booster shots, and nobody's taken them. So mm. people can wake up, and but they need a more waking up of the whole economy and not to trust the government by just spending more money.
0: So is that the only incentive for something like the Inflation Reduction Act is lip service to send a message to the public that says we are doing something to make your lives better, even if it's not effective and never going to be effective? It's just the posturing. Is it just to, yeah. to convince voters? Is that all there is to it?
1: I, I think that's the n- number one because, uh, but I think they also hope it will help. You know, and for t- okay, a couple for a couple days it might help, and <laughs> and they don't understand our option that we're talking about because we, we're talking about biting the bullet. And uh yeah. you know, when I first ran for Congress. Uh, my wife was worried about it. She thought I was going to get elected. I said, "No way!" I said, "They they don't elect Santa Claus." And I, sometimes <laughs> I wonder how did they elect me? You know, because right. I never voted for that stuff. So eventually, uh, you know, I, I think truth truth wins out, and people will realize that. I think right now the American people are less enthusiastic about uh, continuing to spend these. Mm-hmm. Billions and billions of dollars in Ukraine, and uh, I would say that 80% of the Americans couldn't find it on the map, you know, and when right. they realized that they could just realize that money being spent, uh, you know, uh, in Ukraine. Right now, the Ukrainians are asking for a 10-year plan. I was kidding with Daniel. I said, I don't think it's going to last for 10 years, but it used to be the communists only wanted a five-year plan, but they want a 10-year plan of us more money and weapons into Ukraine to take care of their uh, problems that they've given to themselves.
0: I want to I want to go down that path with you first. One last question on domestic policy. You know, wh- where is Powell sitting right now? Is his back against the wall? And is he very just strictly focused at this point on his uh, his memory when he's out of out of his office? Like, is he going to look back on the decisions he's making today as you know he is he is boker or like what's your expectation of what's going through powell's mind right now and if and when he's got to he's got to pivot you know when when is that going to occur
1: well everything or most things every all the politicians do but our president that you're talking about uh he he's a kink pin on that but the, the, i think what happens is it's self-deception uh, they want to deceive the people and, you know, I guess he sort of thinks he could if he's not doing that badly, you know—and mm-hmm. he says there's, there's no recession and inflation isn't so bad. I think they—I I think it's self-deception. They brainwash themselves, but more and more people are 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 starting to realize. You know, usually it's argued that the uh, Federal Reserve tends to give a little protection to the president, but right now it looks like I keep thinking wonder why the federal reserve is doing this i wonder if the federal reserve is sick and tired of biden because what what they're doing you know uh, they they're doing what the other uh, feds have done before but this one's done uh, this fed is doing it with vigor you know it's not uh, 0.25 or 0. 0.5 at a time it's 0. 0.75 and we're going to keep doing it and uh, the economy is going to keep getting weaker and i keep wondering I wonder if they want to set the stage to get rid of of Biden, but that's just my personal theory. I know I, nobody could prove that, but uh, it 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 is it is a it is a mess. I'll tell you that, and uh, the Fed is involved, but uh, and I think there is a lot of the uh, conspiracy uh, uh, in a, in the manner that the people that really. People who pull the string, strings the deep state, the powerful people in the finances, the powerful people in international finance, and the war mongering in our foreign policy. Uh, that's that's uh, that's for very that's that's very real. But uh, how to analyze the president? Uh, I think most people would uh, agree he's probably not well.
0: <laughs> you know your theory. I'm really curious about it and. When the Democrats nominated Biden, um, I actually, my first thought was they're just throwing the election. They know they have nobody to run. They want another four years to regroup. They're going to put this guy forward knowing he doesn't have a chance and uh, that'll buy them the time to rebuild the party. And then he won and I couldn't believe it. And I was so, okay, you, you commented on something though. You made a state, you said, you made a statement. You said the deep state is very real. And I would just love, you know, a high level explanation, um, Dr. Paul, what is the deep state and, and what is the impact or purpose of the deep state?
1: Well, it's probably more amorphous than some people believe. Uh, the, uh, the one radical view would be, well, there are 12 in there. They get invitation. And they get together and they have a meeting and really give the strategy. But they have several of those groups, these uh, economic groups. Uh, but they also are the people who get control of the, of the IMF and the World Bank. And and, uh, and they're very, very much involved. in finances, they're, they're in, in that group, too. But you usually have to tell along but I don't think it's a monolith. Uh, uh, but I think it is a club. It is a club and they have a lot of clout, and they scratch each other's back uh, because you could find out uh, who the lobbyists are. They, they, they're part of the deep state, and uh, the biggest uh, uh, lobby and group that uh, I thought was around Washington was the military-industrial complex, you know, and guess what party had that one? It was bipartisan, you know, mm-hmm. because, because if there's a war to support, where they come together for national security purposes, and it, the most nauseating thing is when you see some of their uh, uh, their congressional leaders say, "Well, we have to do this, and we have to spend money and go over to Ukraine because we have to protect our constitution, we have to protect our rights, we have to protect our national security." And I said, "What in thunder are they talking about?" And uh, and I think that I, I think in many ways they're more nihilistic than patriotic. You know, they're they're, they're they're not nihilistic that they that they uh blend things in and uh and they don't worry about not uh claiming they know the truth because they don't even believe in it if they did they would have a little trouble sleeping at night what if you weren't a nihilist uh, stuff and you started wars for 20 years and had millions of people die? So, oh, bad bad decision bring them home oh well, that's going to be a job that'll be complicated Hope it isn't complicated. Uh, so th- th- that's, that's the thing that, that they do. They, they just don't realize and they don't want us to realize what they're doing. But I don't think I could, I could, you know, if I sat and concentrated on, I could come up with some names that I think are very instrumental. But I don't think, I don't think Biden, you know, was chaperoned into the presidency uh, because he, it was a political uh, support that he had gained. And even, and you talk about maybe were, what, what were they trying to do? It looks like I mentioned the Fed. Why is the Fed not helping the president? But uh, what, mm. what about the people who I don't think the Republicans will ever impeach uh, Biden? Because what, what people are saying, you know, there are now people out there, Democrats as well, they'll say, you, you, you know, Harris, what if we had Harris? Maybe it would be an argument. Keep right buying. keep buying around <laughs>
0: <laughs> right uh,
1: it, it is it is philosophic and it's powerful and it's bipartisan uh but uh, i still think that uh the winning side will be getting the truth out uh i often think about the uh brenton woods the Bretton woods didn't break down because we finally got enough people in congress that understood the issue uh it went broke mm. they lied to the people that we honored our dollar we yeah. went broke and uh it it broke down and that's uh sort of what happened to COVID, all the lockdowns that broke down too uh uh, yet the uh the uh, issue of lockdown per se and the ability to do it they probably were practicing because i believe that uh they're capable of doing that again but at least the people do eventually wake up and i thought i thought the parents right now are in a position where they're starting to wake up and maybe this uh uh, this election will guide us a little bit and say, hey, look, look at what happened. Who in the thunder really gave them the support? It might be the parents of kids in school and looking at the trash that goes through a government school. I mean, that, that is something that would be revolutionary. It still would be difficult to do the shifting, but that's what happens to happen first. I'm a I, 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 I believer in the saying, Governments are always at behest of the prevailing opinion of the people. Uh, as long as people tolerate it, uh, right. they will have it. Even the worst systems at times, you know, even Nazism and communism was tolerated until finally, you know, they were gone. I, I think the yep. magic of the 20th century was uh, the magic of the Soviet system dissipating. Mm. <laughs> what a wonderful thing. Too bad we didn't take advantage of it
0: yeah that's in a
1: a positive way
0: in a positive way yeah oh man there's so much there i want to pull on but that last point the soviet system dissipated and it's too bad that i guess america didn't take advantage of it but america was sort of sucked into a power vacuum as a consequence i mean was that the event that created the accidental american empire because there was this void of power that the balance of power between two major parties suddenly vanished and one was Mm -hmm. left standing by no means of their own what do you what do you think
1: I think that's more of an excuse. Uh, That is true. Uh, But because there was uh, was chaos in in Ukraine and there was legitimate complaints, uh, it, it wasn't a justification for us to steal $67 billion from the American taxpayer and send money over there and compound the problems and undo a coup uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, participate in a coup to undo an elected government uh, so that uh, now we don't need to do that. I, right. I don't think it because we can't do it because you know, <clears throat> it looks good for the world and we're going to bring about peace. Uh, we can only act in our national security interest. And they always say that. This is a national security interest. That's why we're there to protect our constitution, which is all garbage to try to get the people to say, yeah, sounds good. We have to protect our rights. We have to protect our constitution by violating the constitution, by all these wars. We're never declaring war. And they still believe, people believe, well, we're over there fighting for the constitution. They have to do this because accepting responsibility for the tragedy of the wars since World War II ended It's just more than they can handle.
0: Now, what do you have to say to somebody who says, look, these are a necessary means to an end and the everyday American may not understand it, but the world's a dangerous place and America needs to be in control of their adversaries. And sometimes that means blurring the lines a little bit, right? What do you have to say to that, Dr. Paul?
1: I would say it always backfires and makes it Mm. less safe uh i use the example of vietnam i was drafted in 63 the war had gone on for 10 years plus because the french were there and they finally oh, i've had enough of this so the americans jump in oh this is a neat little war over here and we have to stop the domino effect of all those communists they're going to take over all the far east and vietnam is going to fall so they say we have to do this uh for the betterment of the world uh, you know and the people so we go over and we lose, uh, you know, 68,000 people and, uh, and all that tragedy of with good intentions. Good intentions won't work mm. if they're bad policy. So they did that and, uh, and, and, and it, it got a lot worse. And My answer is, is we lost the war. We limped away, we wimped away, we surrendered and we finally had enough sense to quit killing each other. And guess what? peace broke out, at least, you know, a type of peace. And we started talking to the Vietnamese. A lot of them came here. We trade with Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I said, so much more was gained by just having peace rather than playing games that we were going to, uh, you know, pr- protect it and make a system, make them good, good Republicans and Democrats. And that's why we go to the Middle East, Teach them about democracy. You know, that sort of thing. So okay, That doesn't work.
0: Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Now, let's jump into the current conflicts in Europe. Put yourself in, in Putin's shoes. Does he feel like he has the leverage right now? Or does he feel like his back's against the wall, a bit of a caged animal at this point?
1: I think so. <laughs> in other words, probably a little bit of both. <clears throat> because he still has a lot of weaponry that if he decides to use it and nobody i can't read into it And we have people on both sides and the libertarian side of trying to analyze what putin is really up to but all i know is it gets complex and all i know and feel responsible to, to address is, especially when i was in congress is to deal with our policy and that is just stay out of it you know mm. but uh uh Biden and, and uh, Putin those arguments they just go on and on uh because uh it has so little to do with uh the the, the uh, thing that I'm most interested in that is uh personal individual liberty which if it's honored and protected and allowed to uh, allowed to grow it is the solution to so many of our problems if you have you know free markets and sound money and Property rights and contract rights—that's uh, That's where you. That's where you get peace and prosperity. But uh, analyzing Putin, exactly what he'll he'll do. But I do believe that uh, uh, whole area. See, see, uh, f- from our side, we uh, we look at the case that, you know, after World War II, there was at least a, you know, an inference uh, on a couple occasions that uh, uh, that NATO and United States, which is NATO, would not go up to the borders of Russia. And then uh, Ukraine ended up with a a leader that was elected. So we participated with the British in a a coup that kicked him out and put this government type of government in place. And look, it's just deteriorated got much, much worse. So I think think that whole area would be less complicated if we just had stayed out completely. It should be that... uh, the, the Polish people, the Ukrainian people, the Russian people, they, they have to settle it. And uh, I, I think it would be not perfect. But I'll tell you what, I think what we have is a lot further from being perfect. It's a mess. But I say that our intervention compounds it tremendously and has contributed to the mess.
0: Well, especially as you put it, you know, he's a well armed individual with his back against the wall. And a lack of options. And, and that's a very dangerous situation. Right. And the term nuclear gets thrown around now in the media somewhat flippantly. Um, what are your thoughts on that risk of some kind of nuclear event, Dr. Paul?
1: Well, I'm betting against it. I think you can't ignore it. Uh, I remember uh, the missiles in Cuba. A matter of fact, it was the very missiles in Cuba in October, I believe, that I received my draft notice. So that was the reason I was drafted and I was still in my medical training. And, uh, and that uh, by the time I ended up uh, being inducted and actually becoming active, uh, that, was, that was sort of settled. And I, 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 I had to think about uh, you know, you know, the war in Vietnam. In, in Vietnam. But that's a a difficult thing to deal with because uh, getting people to understand the position. But I still I still find my answers in non-interventionism, follow the Constitution, try to sell economics with the uh, idea that it's the best form of economic policy. And uh, and I do believe that the more you trade with people, the less you are to fight with them. Yeah. we the French and the Americans fought with the Vietnamese for might have been up twenty years altogether, and that that was a, that was terrible. But now we trade with them, you know, and uh, I I think there's there's a message there, uh, so it's uh, it's it's something that uh, non-intervention comes to uh, answering the questions, and I think the founders were pretty good at designing it but uh, I think uh, the American people have slipped away from it. But I put uh, about 90% of that uh, conditioning and getting Americans to go along with it into our progressive universities. The uh, capacity in a university is to teach terrible economic policies and also internationalism and globalism. That doesn't just pop out of the sky and it isn't a, a reflection of um, I'm looking for what to do and have a respect for a higher law has nothing to do with that. Uh, there's too much, uh, I think, in the world of nihilism. They don't care. You know, They they don't have any sense of guilt. Uh, they, they don't feel, feel shameful about doing wicked things. So it, it does, like the founder said, it boils down to the survival of our republic will be the morality of the people. So we talk a lot, and I talk a lot a lot about a monetary policy and foreign policy, but really, we're, we're dealing with, uh, you know, a, a consensus of the morality of the people and w- what they really believe and whether there is a, a higher law that people should be looking at. And I think it, it is natural, natural law, a higher law is there, and it is a moral fiber of the people, which is something that uh, is difficult to, to change. But I think when it exists, the world is uh, much better off.
0: Now, you made a comment there. You said the more you trade with someone, the less likely you are to fight with that party. And I absolutely agree. And for my entire life, there's been a lot of trust. Whether it's been fragile trust, there's been trust between enough trust for countries like the US, China, Russia, Saudi Arabia to trade cheap energy and cheap labor and cheap cash or whatever. But that's provided a standard of living over the last 30, 40 years, that's continually increased. And we become accustomed to more convenience and more variety in all the things that we consume. But that trust is now broken. And I don't know, tell me if you think I'm wrong, that it won't be repaired probably in, in my lifetime or at least in the next couple of decades. And so what's the impact of that system of however fragile trust allowing global trade to now have been, it's it's shelved. I believe that era is over. If you, if I'm wrong, uh, you let me know. But how does that change?
1: Well, I... I don't think I, I think I can look at policy and say what the consequence will be, but not to the extent or when. Uh, but I think what happened when you were describing things were a little bit better and there was more trade with China and Russia and things seemed to get a, a, a little boost. And uh, I think there was more prosperity and I think the Russian people did better. But I think what happens is you have you have people always uh rejecting a higher law and and they resort to uh you know a system that to each is his own and then they decide they get very very greedy and then they very get power they they're power mongers and they well on that more than how great of an entrepreneur they can be so they think they get conditioned to thinking that i have to have the insides with the government In order to get the right regulations so they get so greedy instead of saying i have to work harder and get the government off my back they say i have to get a better lobbyist and that's excuse me and that's what's happened they they have the lobbyists up there and they want their special interest and then it becomes a contest then they want protectionism and then they want to become more aggressive not just protectionism they want to punish then they go into the sanctions And unfortunately, there were too many Republicans that support that, but the Democrats do it as well.
0: Interesting. Okay. now talk to me about if you can, you know how people may position themselves to protect themselves from whatever chaos may um, occur during this transition period. And I like so let me put this in perspective. What I do is I. I like to own hard assets. I like to remove myself from the volatility of the world and retain as much personal sovereignty as I can. I own physical gold. I, I have a variety of hard assets in my portfolio, and I like to have things that are kind of off grid. Um, now, I get a lot of questions from my audience about the likelihood that the government were to come back and uh, confiscate gold again, and they say, "Okay, that's all well and good, Jay, that you 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 own own and buy gold, but." government's confiscated it in the past and it is likely to happen again and i don't know how threat how real that threat is i don't really think about it is that a possibility like a reality ron that you could see occurring where there's some kind of a mass confiscation of precious metals in the future
1: yeah it's possible but it'll probably be different than they did in the 30s uh in 1934 they made it illegal yeah. to own gold and they confiscated it but uh, people were poor and they had a uh, deflation, and people weren't worrying about it. today, I think a lot of people understand gold a little bit better. They do. And a lot of people buy gold and silver, and I am a real promoter of that. I sort of I, I like the idea of the silver eagle because uh, silver is something the average person is more likely to buy uh, as, as a reserve, you know, under bad condition. But no, that's all good. And all the things uh, for survival uh, are important, you know, how you provide for food and safety and security and, and whatnot. Uh, but it's going to be different. If you uh, if your job is in a big city and you really can't just pack up and leave or if you're in a bad state, it's difficult for you. So uh, it, it might not be easy to do it. But uh, some people. And you have to adapt to what your environment is. Some people live out in the country. They already have a good start on this. But I would say people who uh, sort of like to be self-sufficient, uh, there's one member of Congress that sure sets a good example, and that's Thomas Massey. You know, he's independent. He can he can produce his own energy and his own food, the, the whole work. But not everybody, not everybody can do that. And... <clears throat> We can talk about all the types of protections and the different investments, whether you buy stocks and uh, IRA accounts or whatever you do. But I, I say there's the most important investment that you can do if you want to be protected against the thugs who will come down hard on us like they did with COVID, and yet uh, they had to be pushed back a bit. The hardest thing in the world, the, the most important thing in the world that we need is that we invest in liberty. Because uh, it was the fact that we still had a little bit of liberty left during the time of COVID that people could still go to a meeting and stand up and say, what are you idiots doing? Mm. And, uh, and and now that they're finding out, that was a real eye opener. Now they're finding out the garbage that's being taught at the taxpayers' expense in all these government schools from from kindergarten all through college, because almost every college depends on government money. And that's how all the garbage gets taught in there. And I, that, uh, that is why the most important investment that a person makes long-term is to participate in uh, promoting individual liberty. Uh, I've been involved in economic education. I've been involved in political activities. Uh, and I, I think that's real, real important and I have a homeschooling group that, uh, uh, you know, it's not huge, but uh, we have a significant number of people because it's, it's designed to try to t- teach the things we're talking about here, uh, an economic policy they'll never get in a government school, mm-hmm. a foreign policy that's considered treasonous by those who would like to cancel us. So I think the education, we still have enough freedom for that. And in the information age, there's still a lot of activity. But you said, uh, well, maybe the government will come and take our gold. Yeah, they might. Uh, and my goal, my thoughts are it won't be exactly the same. I think what they'll do is just, you know, if you have gold and you want to spend it, uh, they'll tax you and mm-hmm. there'll be a big ta- tax on it. So that's why it's important to know about it. But other people will say, you know, uh, if if things get really, really bad, uh, people are going to fight to defend their gold. They might even fight and defend a, a gun that they believe that they have. A natural and a constitutional right to own to defend themselves. So that uh, that is all all very important. But I thought if we, if we have a vehicle where we can really uh, say, you know, j- just just the fact, Jay, that we're able to talk here today, uh, you know, uh, I think it's wonderful that we can. It may even get some circulation, uh, and, uh, and other people will hear it. And but but that is that is good. But. It, and, and this is what was we're getting to that point with COVID, that you could, even, as a physician, if I got up and say, do you know what? You guys are on the wrong track by saying there is no such thing as natural immunity, something known for a thousand years. You can get punished and lose your job and lose your license. Yeah. So we're borderline there now. But let's just hope we can express ourselves. And uh, I think that's one area that uh, can move back and forth a little bit uh eventually though if it continues they do take away your right of free expression and, and that's what they're doing when when they don't like what you say today when we talked to, on the liberty report it was the uh it was the germans that were uh, outlawing uh you know a party uh, that uh wasn't towing the line and they were regulating their speech and making them a, you know, outlawing their party. Well we've heard of that before, and uh, look at uh, you know you know, look at what they've uh, done to try to silence uh our, you know Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not my favorite president, but uh, he challenges a lot of stuff that I don't like, but to lock him down and punish him. That, that that is really bad. So that's when so when I talk when I go out and talk, I talk about all the different things you can do to protect your uh yourself financially and personally uh but really the the ultimate protection investment that we should make is a protecting and investing in the protection of liberty which means that the thrust of our constitution was a probably the best in history but it has been essentially pushed aside. I was told that in Congress once Said, wrong. We, we don't follow that part of the Constitution. When I was insisting they vote on whether or not we should go to war without declaring a war in the Middle East, they said, All right, you don't want to do that. We don't we don't look that part is uh, uh, that part of the Constitution. We, we don't bother with anymore, but we should bother with it. And that's up to individuals. And I think uh, that that educational after is developing there, there are more people like 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 you, Jay, and others having all kinds of podcasts and everything that has to remain legal. Mm. And if it weren't legal, there'll be a way of getting around. I'm just hoping I don't understand electronics and the Internet and all this. But all I know is it sounds to me like the internet is big and complex. It's something the government would like to control, but it's something maybe the government can't control. I keep thinking that uh, the government's always intruding on our privacy. Well, where are the, where's the talent to protect our privacy independently? And that is the only way I think we'll be able to do that. And the the founders did it by just passing out pamphlets and they barely got them printed, but they were able to change the world.
0: I, I agree. And I think entrepreneurs will always move faster than regulation, right? And as long as there's entrepreneurs who are, as you put it, investing in liberty, right? That's the thread we need to pull on. Step one is share this video. <laughs> but step two is check out the Liberty Report. I know you've moved to Rumble. I think you're still on YouTube, but the Ron Paul Liberty Report is an excellent source of information. I want to shout out your Foundation for Rational Economics and Education uh, acronym is free, F R E E. Please check that out um, at Ron Paul on Twitter. And then you publish a weekly column on org. So there's a variety of platforms where you can find out more about Dr. Paul's work. I'll put all these links in the uh, YouTube description, or if you're just listening to the podcast, it'll be in the podcast show notes. Um, Dr. Paul, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate this. It's been a true honor.
1: Very good. It's nice being with you. Stay in touch